awesome or foolish? Depends on your perspective. Our prayer for this series, wherever you are with God, if you've been here a bunch of times or first time, our prayer is that you would do something by faith that some would consider crazy, and we don't know what that is. But before we get to our series, we got a few big things you need to know as, as our church family that's happened in the last week. Last Sunday night was the Super Bowl, and we have our epic Super Bowl contest, and our winner is in the 11 o'clock service. How about a hand for Caleb Hardy? He picked 24-21 Chiefs, and it was 25-20, so he had the right differential three points. He was one point off of each score, and he had the tiebreaker. Um, so he's got the gift of prophecy or something. But as we can testify in the room, um, I saw Sarah. I don't know if Alex is. No, he's not. Well, Alex won the contest last year, and it was an incredible 23 for the Dumas family because this has tended to be a springboard into a beautiful things for the rest of your life. So for the rest of your life, anytime you do a resume interview, make sure you tell them I won 2024 Relentless Super Bowl contest. That was Sunday night. Monday night uh, was a beautiful thing. Um, we had our first ever men's huddle. We had 40 men in this room on our first huddle Monday night. Yes. Come on. So encouraging, not just the quantity, but the quality. And men, if you missed it, we were missing a lot of you, and you're invited. We're going to do this every month, every second Monday um, of the month. We'll meet in here. So we divide it into tables. And the beautiful thing, a lot of these men are, are now getting together between meetings, and we just got... Uh, God is doing some beautiful things. Women, you're going to be doing your version of that starting in April. Um, but we just uh, are so encouraged of how God's moving. And, and that was a big night for our church last, last Monday night. So let's continue with by faith. You're filling in the blank, you and God. We don't know what that looks like. Last week we talked about just the foundation of the series is what faith is. Faith is being um, confident of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And we gave you this statement. Maybe you can turn this into a prayer your own version of it, um, but we said, I want to amaze Jesus by what I believe he can do in my life. I want Jesus to be wowed by what I think he can do in my personal life and heart, in my family, and in our church. So we want you to join us in that prayer as we go through this series together. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about several things, and I'm going to need your help on a few of them. Um, we use this phrase, inside track. You understand? It's like, if, if me and you are going for the job and I, and I find out that you got the inside track, that means you got some sort of advantage, right? And it comes from, uh, you know, track and field. If we're on a, a, a true track and I'm in the inside lane, I've got to start behind you. You know how they do it in the Olympics? They stagger them because the person on the inside runs less, right? You have an advantage on the inside track, right? So um, I want to talk about inside track as it relates to some things in Scripture we're going to look at. But before I do that, I need your help a little bit. First service, um, cautiously help me with this. So here's my question. What group or label would you put out there? It's a free place. We're not going to, you know, put it in on the Internet. Well, we will put it on the Internet, but they won't know who said what. But uh, what's a group of people that you would say seem to believe they have an inside track on God? You know what I'm saying? They have, a, they have an advantage based on their fill-in-the-blank. They feel like that God may be, mm-hmm, Americans. When something said both services, you know it's a good answer, right? Good, Americans. What else? We'll talk about that, but I want to see what else we got. See how hard, who? Pastors. They didn't say that first service. It'd be really cool if somebody said something that wasn't me. I'm American. I'm a pastor, but it's okay. 
I, was, I, I checked all the boxes almost in first service. Anybody else got something that needs to be said? This kind of entitled inside track on God? All right, Christ followers? Uh, well, I hope we have an inside track on some things um, as far as being Christians. But yeah, anybody else? The Pope, as we said, the Pope. We got the Pope is back here. Thomas Pope. If y'all haven't met the Pope, the Pope goes to our church. That's how cool this is. All right, so let's. Uh, oh, Hardy, I was about to move on, and then you you had to go there. He said, if you didn't hear him, he said political affiliation. First service, I got a lot of the same answers in addition to I got men and I got Christian nationalists. All right, so that was interesting. Um, what are we going to do with that? We're going to talk about the Bible. Um, I, think, I think we need some of that in our minds to unpack because a lot of Scripture is dealing with the inside track that the Jewish people felt like they had to God because they were God's chosen people and then there's a new covenant and we're going to unpack some of that but I think it's dangerous whether you fit any of those boxes in any context I think it's dangerous you might not say it out loud this way but when you think maybe God has a preference for me because I am whether it's race nationality uh, socioeconomic any of those things those are dangerous things to the gospel so we want to we want to run from those right and I think the American Thing. Like, I think it's good to be proud to be an American. I think, I think we, I don't, I don't think that's an ungodly thing. I think we have to be careful, right, when we equate America with God, right? We sing, we have a whole song called God Bless America. I want God to bless America. But when we think that America is blessed because God prefers it and we're his favorite country, that's problematic. You got to get outside yourselves. You got to travel you got to understand the gospel. It is not American-centric, right? Um, when I think of inside track, I really think of entitled. Isn't that a horrible word, right? If, I, if you meet with the teacher, like, it's one of the worst things that a parent can hear. It's like, your kid's really entitled. Oh, it's an awful word. When I think of that word, I think of a story when I was a youth pastor. We would always take these trips, um, so much fun and memories, packing a bunch of middle schoolers into a van. We would go to Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, the van smelled different when we got there than we did when we left. But I remember this one uh, trip, we were packing the van, I was driving in a sixth grade girl, so it was sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, boys and girls in this van, and we are just barely left. She'd never been on a trip with us before, and we'd turn on the radio to whatever we're listening to, and she's like, no, no, we gotta listen to 105 whatever. It was a different state, I don't remember the numbers. We gotta listen to this radio station. I was like, no, we don't. We're getting ready to go to this, you know, this Christian convention, we're gonna get our minds and hearts prepared. That station's not gonna help us get where God wants us to go, right? And she said, no, we're gonna listen to 105.5. And I was like, oh, I like this girl. She's, she's got a punchline with that. There's a, she, I'm gonna look at her and she's gonna bust out laughing. So I looked back at her and she was serious as she could be. She thought she was calling the shots of what we we're gonna listen to. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I said, I looked in the rearview mirror because I'm a good driver. I looked at her and said, Listen, I know you haven't been on a trip with us, but um, here's how it works here. Um, there's a bunch of leaders on this trip. They'll make decisions. I'm one of them. I'll make decisions. We have student leaders that are eighth graders. You know who's never going to make a decision about anything, where we eat, what we do, what we listen to, is you. Right? <laughs> I thought it was funny, and she starts crying. As I'm retelling the story later to my wife, she's like, this, you embarrassed her. I was like, I spent a whole weekend with her. Her issue was not embarrassment. 
Her issue was entitlement. She couldn't believe, where does that come from? Is there something wrong with this girl? No, something wrong with her parents, right? She had been taught for 12 years of her life that wherever we eat, whatever we do, you're the queen, you call the shots. And when somebody else called the shot and she didn't get a say, she fell apart. Don't raise that kid. I'm praying for the kids that my kids might marry one day, and I hope it's not entitled, right? And it's, it's problematic, but it's a whole nother level of problematic when we get spiritually entitled. It's ugly. We hurt people, all right? We push people away from Jesus, and that's what we're going to look at. There's a disagreement. We're going to talk about some controversy. We'll get to the Super Bowl controversy, so be excited about that. Um, here's some controversy from the first century, and I don't have to explain it to you. I'll read it to you. You'll understand what they're arguing about. This comes from Acts 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers. Unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So we've talked about a lot of this because we did a series on Galatians recently. So what they're saying, there's a teaching happening. It's like somebody coming into our church, and they start pulling some of you aside to a small group, and they're teaching you, hey, if you're going to go to heaven to be a real Christian Christ follower, you got to go through this surgery. It's like, what? Why? And they would say, because that's the covenant that God had with God's chosen holy people, the Jewish people, and now things are changing, and you Gentiles, and you're a Gentile if you don't know it. Anybody that's not a Jew would be referred to as a Gentile. So you guys, you have to go through the circumcision because that's the covenant sign that makes you one of God's people. That's the only way to be saved. You've got to become Jewish and do the things that Jewish do in order for you to become because there's Jewish and God's is the same thing. He picked us. We're entitled. We got the inside track. We're so nice. We're letting you in, but you got to be like us to get to God. That's, the, that's what some people were, were teaching, and that's a problem with the gospel. So here's what happens Next, verse 2, after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, it wasn't small, it was the problem, and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia, what up Phoenicia, and Samaria. How you doing Samaria? Those are places, not people. Describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought, and brought great joy to all the brothers. So they're bringing joy because they're coming through and they're detailing no. People can become Christians without becoming Jewish. And that was mind-blowing and offensive to certain people. So now they have to all kind of have this big council and figure, figure it out. Verse 4, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. Problem verse, verse 5, but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Now, a few words are important there. It is necessary. Context, it is necessary for salvation. You can't be a Christian without circumcision. That's what some people, when they all gathered together, it says some believers were saying that, right? Believers in God and believers in Jesus. These are people that if they took the test, did Jesus die on the cross? Yes. Did he raise from the dead? Yes. They believe that, but they also belong to the party of the Pharisees. That's religious, right? So the way that's worded by Luke is interesting. Some believers, they believed it, but they belonged to the party of the Pharisees. Their identity was in who they ran with. And who they ran with said, no, you have to be Jewish and act Jewish and do Jewish things to really get in on this thing. So let's take a break there and talk about the Super Bowl, right? We like to, we like to stir it up sometimes. I don't, I don't know why. There's three controversies that I can think of related to the Super Bowl. It was only a week ago, 
And I'm going to talk most about the one that has, two of them have nothing to do with Jesus, but one of them does. All right, the first one is, was it a good halftime show? We are a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God. If there's something we can agree on, it's that those roller skates were cool. Right? Took me back. Took me back to Skate Odyssey. Winston said, oh, nobody knows about Skate Odyssey, but, man, if I could skate like that, I'd have been the man. Skate Ranch, is, that was what it was in Raleigh, some of you Raleighites. All right. So that's the first kind. Con- Second controversy, I don't know if you've heard of this woman, Taylor Swift. This is not a controversy, right? Why do they keep showing her? Now, let, me tell, let me explain to you why they keep showing her. Because we have always been a culture society that is fascinated with celebrities. There's billions of dollars in industry. People's job, follow these poor people around to take pictures of them. We are so interested in what they're doing, what they're wearing, what they look like. She has filled stadiums in a way that nobody has filled them in recent history, ever. Like what she's doing and what she's selling, how popular she is, it's unheard of. So she was at the Super Bowl, so they showed her. And she happens to be dating, allegedly, the best tight end in the history of football. She's allegedly dating one of the star players. That's why they keep showing her. That's not hard. Now let me get to the controversy that I really want to talk about. It was a commercial. You know what I'm talking about? It's in your feed too, isn't it? There's a commercial called the He Gets Us commercial. Remember it? And man, Sunday night during the game, I got pastor friends, not pastor acquaintances, pastor friends that were posting mad. I was like, I got to go get back online. How do, I, how do I find it? Oh, He Gets Us. That's the website. So I went back, watched the commercial again. People are so upset. And then as the week goes on, people continue uh, to be more and more upset. And I just, I didn't understand it's, you know, sometimes we just create drama when there's no drama to be made. And, and I got to the heart of it. I think where people were upset is what they were saying was the commercial, if you remember, Jesus is washing different people's feet in the commercial. Um, different sinners is what they would be labeled as, right? Now, specifically, there's one that made people mad because he was washing the feet of a homosexual. And my first thought was, how do you know he's a homosexual? You cannot tell somebody's sexuality by a picture, right? That's but. That's what it was supposed to look like, I guess. And they're upset because they said, Jesus didn't wash the feet of sinners. He washed the feet of disciples. So you're confusing people. What did he, he actually washed the feet of disciples. He didn't wash the feet of sinners. And my first thought was, have you, do you know much about the disciples? They're pretty messed up dudes. But that, I'm not here to defend the He Gets Us campaign. I'm not here to defend it. I do think it's really important for us to talk about um, because, yes, that is true. Biblically, there is, an account, there is not an account of him washing the feet of anybody but the disciples. Right? That is true. So, so maybe it could have been a lot more clear. But I was unpacking this with my wife, uh, Kelly, and I was trying to explain to her. I was like, I don't get why people are so fired up about this. And she's like, well, what, what have you? I said, read all the com- we were reading all the comments. And I said, I think, I, think they're, I think they're mad because they say it's watering down the truth. Because Jesus, they said, they're saying Jesus didn't do that and wouldn't wash the feet of a homosexual. And my brilliant wife, we call them K-bombs. Every once in a time she'll drop a bomb. She said, she said so, so they're saying Jesus would die on the cross for a homosexual but wouldn't wash his feet? Mm, mm. K-bomb, right? K-bomb. I was like, can I use that? And she said yes, right? It's not, it's not as hard as we make it. And it's more important than that he gets us. It's more important than that for us as a gospel 
Center Church. I was, I was reading this week, when all this controversy was swirling in my feed, I was reading this week, and um, I don't believe in just so happened, but I just so happened to be in Luke 5, and there's a short little account, and it's a guy named Levi. You talk about um, political stuff. Levi was a tax collector that Jesus called to be one of his disciples. Was a tax collector. Tax collector is somebody who sold out to the Romans to collect taxes from the Jewish people unjustly to pay. So he was not, you know, a solid person with the Jewish people. He was a traitor to most of them. So Jesus called him. He left everything and followed him. Jesus handpicked this tax collector. Then the next verse says, Levi throws a great feast. Like it was an honor to be called by a rabbi to follow him. And that was not something he ever expected. Jesus loves the long shot, like we talk about all the time. So what does Levi do? He invites all his tax collector friends to have this big party, and they have this huge feast. And as they're having it, here comes the religious people. All, what's their favorite thing to do? Ruin a party. They are anti-fun, right? They come, and what do they do? They don't ask Jesus because they know better because he always makes them look stupid. They come to the disciples, and he says, why are y'all always eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners and these people? Over and over again, tells us a lot. The number one accusation against Jesus is you're hanging out with the wrong people. If you're holy like you say you are, you wouldn't be with them. Over and over it comes up. And the disciples aren't, don't get to answer the question from these religious people because Jesus doesn't let them. This is really early in his ministry. I don't think he trusted the disciples to know the right answer. Because I think part of them and their Jewish religiousness, I think part of them was thinking, why are we eating with these people? Like, we don't even like these people. We, they're, they're sellouts. So Jesus stepped in and he answered him um, in Luke 5 with this sentence. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, American Blue Cross Blue Shield, they have not heard that. They still, they think you got to go to the doctor when you're healthy. But Jesus said, if you're, if you're healthy, you don't need a doctor. And then he said this. He said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's why he came. Now, Part of 2024 crowd, if they were seeing that scene and they'd have heard Jesus say that, they're like, you're a liar. You're not calling anybody repentance. You're eating with them. Where's the part when you stand on the table and call them to repentance and shake your finger in their face? You're not doing the right thing. Where's that part? And Jesus did come to call people to repentance. He didn't shy away from that. He wasn't scared of that. But he was strategic. He knows there's a time just to love people and hang out with them. When he was hanging out in these sinful environments, he never once traded in his holiness. He never became what they were. He merely remained holy and loved them in that space. And that's powerful. Remember a few weeks ago, our greatest weapon we have is love. They didn't expect to be loved by somebody like him. And it was powerful to them. And he was strategic with his love. And once you have that equity built up, then that's the time to call people to repentance. Maybe the best time to call people to repentance, maybe, is not in a Super Bowl commercial. Maybe. That's all I'm saying. You can, you can disagree if you want. You wouldn't be the first. Um, I, just, I just know how important it is. As a gospel-centered church, we say gospel-centered, we're not messing around. We want to center our lives, our messages, everything around the gospel. What I want you to learn to say, what does the gospel say about that? How did Jesus treat people? And what the gospel says, why we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know how huge that's? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Some, some, some Christians live like Christ died for them once he knew that they were going to be good people. And that's so backwards. That's not the gospel. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's not by behavior or performance. And that's so, so, that's so hard for our American minds where everything is built on 
performance and earning and deserving and sometimes entitlement. And there's just none of that in the gospel. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, we just sang a song about him running through a wall to get to us. Right? Sometimes we act and behave and post like we are running through the wall to get to Jesus. Like it's our behavior and performance that gets us to him. And that's not, that's not the gospel. We don't want to, the whole argument they're having in this Acts 15, where they ended up is, hey, let's not make it hard for people to come to Jesus. Can we do that, church? Let's be excited when somebody's coming to Jesus. Let's not make up hurdles that God doesn't give just to make it difficult. Let's be excited that people are interested and let's be strategic. And yes, we're about the Jesus stuff. We want to call sinners to repentance, of which we all are. We're not scared of that at all, but we're going to always lead with love. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Verse 6, after this argument about how you get saved, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my... By my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. All right, so Peter's giving up me making a pretty important speech right here. And uh, I know we're going out of order. It's okay. Um, he continues, verse 8, And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them. Right? That's enough to, if there was guns back then, that would have gotten Peter shot on the spot. He just said, the Jews, the God's holy chosen people and the Gentiles, that God and the gospel made no distinction between us and them. Having cleansed their hearts by what? Church, by what? By faith. That's our series. It was by faith that their hearts were cleansed. Not by nationality, not by behavior, not by anything but by faith. Now, therefore... Why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as, just as they will. There's not one path for these people and this path for these people, all paths leading to the same stuff. Don't believe that. It's one path through Jesus and the grace of Jesus. doesn't matter all the other things, which takes the pressure off. Who is that hard for? That's hard for the moralist. That's hard for the legalist. That's hard for the performance-driven, behavior-driven people, right? Because it takes the earning it away, right? This is um, college acceptance application season for a lot of young people and families in our church. And when I found out a young person got a scholarship, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. What'd you, what'd you do, right? You know what they've never said? Nothing. They just gave it to me, right? They just, I just filled out a piece of paper, signed my name, and they gave me all this money. Right? We don't say, because we want, well, I want to know what you did to earn that. And there's nothing wrong with earning a promotion or earning a scholarship. But we cannot get mixed up with our salvation, with our relationship with Jesus, and think we earned it by anything on the list of stuff. All right? Earning, earning is a problem. We'll get to a quote on that in a second. Um, let's go back to this putting, therefore, why are you putting God to the test? How are they putting God to the test? They're testing his grace, right? God's been so good to send Jesus and take care of what we couldn't take care of. So anytime we put other stuff on people and say, no, you got to become Jewish or you got to be like us Americans or you got to be like us, whatever, fill in the blank. Anytime we do that, we're putting God to the test. The gospel erases all those labels. It makes a clear path 
equal access is a phrase you will see here in a second of scripture. Equal access no matter what. Who's that really good news for? It's the messed up people, right? That's, that's, that's who I want us to be as a church. I didn't know that until Takesha said it, that we had 50 people sign up for cookies. I want to be a church that spends more energy on blessing these prisoners, a lot of whom have no hope, than we do on arguing about a Super Bowl commercial that was about Jesus, right? Let's be that church. Let's bring energy into letting people know, you don't think this is for you? Oh, it's exactly for you. And you can come to Jesus the same way I did, by faith. There's no other, that's all that's required. It's nothing, it's nothing about what you did or didn't do, what you look like, don't look like, what you know or don't know. It's, it's beautiful and simple. God's part is grace. Our part is faith. Now, that's a tricky statement because even in our part, we need grace to have faith. But God, you can't earn grace. You can't do anything for grace. But you do, your part is the by faith part. It's a, and faith means trust. It's not believing something. We're not asking to believe something. It's following and knowing somebody. And that lifestyle that we're living out, lifestyle over list, is done by faith. It's trusting somebody, this life by faith. So, uh, let's talk about the difference between earning and effort, because I think that can be tricky. Because some, some verses say uh, we're saved by grace through faith. Some things say we're saved by faith. with gra- Grace and faith work together. But grace is something God gives us because he loves us, and it's open to everybody. And it removes, you understand? It removes the stain of sin, as we'll see here in a second. But let me show you this quote about earning and effort from Dallas Willard. Um, he said, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. What does that mean? It means sitting in grace is an action. Living by faith is an action. Dwelling and soaking up the grace that God has given us, right? The the scripture teaches that grace teaches us how to live. So you have to have effort to be taught by somebody, right? But earning, there's just no place for earning in the gospel. Like, I, I deserve this because I did whatever. I did what God told me to do. There's no place for that. Uh, earning is opposed to grace, but effort is not. Let's, um, let's look at this, this verse that's uh, meant so much to me in my walk from uh, Romans 4. It kind of unpacks the gospel. There's a lot going on in Romans 3 and 4 um, attached to this. But talk about how could you ever earn this, 4-7. Um, Blessed are those who law- lawless, whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man, and I'm going to put my name in there, not because I'm special, but blessed is David Jones against whom the Lord will not count his sin. What? You could put your name in there if you belong to Jesus. It's nothing about pastors. Yeah, we didn't even come back and talk about pastors being entitled, right, which is fair and true, right? Because I'm such a good guy, because of what I have done or haven't done, because I'm a pastor, no. Because my faith is in Jesus, that is true of me. My sins will never be counted against me. Isn't that crazy? And again, gospel always motivates us to live for Jesus, not to go do what we want. So if you read that and think, oh, if that's a deal, then I got a license. No, then you missed everything. That's not the truth of the gospel. The more you understand, the more I just sit in, my sins will never, I'm going to meet a holy God face to face. And my sins will never be counted against me, not even a little bit. I'll be declared righteous. I already have been declared righteous. Why? Because of what I've done, because of my faith in Jesus, by faith. That's the deal. As soon as we forget that, we're going to become religious, we're going to become legalistic, we're going to become judgmental, we're going to become condescending. 
right? Some of you feel that's too good to be true. That's the essence of the gospel. Your sins will never be counted against you based on what Jesus, that's how much he loves you. It's, that's the freedom that we, that we live in. I want to talk about this word that's coming up. This was Romans 4. In a second, we'll look at Romans 5. And it's going to use a word justified. I want you to make sure you understand this. Justified means you're righteous. Right? God looks at me as righteous because I'm perfect. No, because Jesus is perfect and righteous, and he has credited me with his righteousness. That's what the gospel is. I've been on my account. If you look at my account, it's not a debt to be owed. He's paid the debt. I've been credited with his righteous, so he sees me as righteous. So we're putting God to the test. Some of you refuse to let God forgive you. He sent Jesus to pay your debt and, and to remove the burden and the baggage, and you're still going back and trying to put it on your back. You won't accept the beauty of the gospel that you're free and clear. He doesn't want you to carry what he already died, so you don't have to carry. So don't keep putting him to the test. Trust the gospel. You're justified, meaning You've been made righteous. Well, but I've been a little off track. Jesus made you righteous. You trust in him. You keep coming back to that, and you are justified. Here's what Romans 5, 1 says. Therefore, based on all the gospel unpacking he just did, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's what makes us right. It's our faith. It's not saying the right things, voting for the right party, looking the right way, speaking the right language. It's by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I want to focus on that phrase. We've obtained access by faith. That was the whole argument between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were saying, okay, Gentiles, you guys can come in, but you've got to come in through the Jewish door because that's the only way you can get to God because he's Jewish. Jesus, the son of God that you guys believe in, that we, like, he was Jewish. So you've got to be Jewish, and it's just, this is not hard, is what the Jewish were saying. And the gospel, and through Jesus' teaching and his apostles' teaching, we know, it's like, no, the access is the same door. There is no Jewish door. There is no American door. There is no gender door. It's just one door, and it is accessed by one thing, faith and trust in Jesus. That's the deal. And because of that, we've been justified. We have peace with God. We're made right with God through our, and we have access by our faith into this grace that we cannot earn, that he freely gives as a gift, as a gift. I think our pride, I think my pride gets in the way of this. I, I had a man, uh, just a burly, strong man one time. We were walking through scripture and baptism, and, and we were unpacking. We were talking about baptism, which we'll talk about here in a second. And he, uh, he just was struggling. He's like, but what do I do? I was like, you trust him. I said, but I've done so much wrong. He's like, yeah, you know, you're baptized into him. That's what he's asked you to do. And I said, would you feel better if he said, like, you got to run an Iron Man for Jesus to pay for your sins? He's like, yes, that would be so much better. I could sweat and suffer because I've done so much wrong, and he suffered for me, and I don't feel right about that. And he's like, that's the point. You can't earn it. It would be the worst thing we could do to the gospel is give all these hurdles and hoops. you got to do all these things. To, like, just let all that go and live in the freedom. You are justified by faith. And it, it continues at Romans 5. It gets even better. It says, not only that, verse 3, we're going to even rejoice in our sufferings because we we're already justified by faith. That's all that matters. And we know suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Um, 
you guys know that scripture has been super important to me in my recovery from a stroke. And uh, somebody asked me before church if I'm still cold plunging. I said, yes. Um, we're gonna, I think we do a whole series on cold plunging. But my guy's right here who hooked me up. And I try to do it when he's not in, uh, not in his office because I'm, I got a whole routine. And one of the things I do is I recite scripture. I always recite this scripture. And it's crazy, like this training and this effort of putting stuff in your brain. It's crazy what your brain cannot recall when you're freezing cold, right? But I've done it over and over and over again. I run through the same things. I just, I know that progression, right? That, that suffering leads to endurance. Endurance leads to character. Character leads to hope. And hope will not put me to shame, right? So we're calling you to live a life of hope by faith and to run as far and fast as you can that anything, anywhere that implies or infers that there's not equal access, that, that access to this gospel is anything but by faith. Anything else you put in that blank is an offensive uh, to the gospel. And we are going to talk about baptism here. I just want to invite you. I think as we dismiss here in a second, I would love for you just to flood that table. I hope Bill and Ray are so overwhelmed with people trying to ask questions about how can I pray for these prisoners? How can we pray for y'all? How do we do the cookies? Where do we sign up? I hope that's what you do when we dismiss. The other thing I want you to consider is baptism. We have a baptism Sunday two weeks uh, from today, March 3rd. Can you believe two weeks today is, is March? Uh, we haven't had one in 2024. We do these um, regularly. And, and if you're thinking, maybe I should pray about that, then you definitely should. If you're feeling something going on in you, as I mentioned, baptism, I'm sure that's not me. I'm sure it's not what you ate for breakfast. I believe it's what we prayed earlier this morning, the Holy Spirit would speak, right? We don't, we're not into baptizing people over and over again. That's not what scripture teaches. Um, so if you've already been baptized and we leave that between you and God, we just ask you to consider two questions. Was it about putting your hope in Jesus? This verse is all chips on the table. I'm gonna put my hope in him and that hope will not put me to shame. I will not regret trusting God with my life. When you're ready to make that decision of faith, by faith, he'll cleanse your heart by faith. When you're ready to trust in him, then he's called you to be baptized. So if you've already been baptized, was it about Jesus? Was it your decision? If it wasn't your decision and it wasn't about Jesus, I think you got dunked in water. I wouldn't say you got baptized, right? And we don't say that to make anybody feel bad or guilty. Nobody knows it all. There's a beautiful story um, also in, in Acts of an Ethiopian man who's reading scripture and God supernaturally sends Philip to him. The Ethiopian is reading a prophecy in Isaiah that's about Jesus. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He's like, no, I don't. Can you help me? And, the, and it says that Philip begins with that very verse and tells him the whole gospel. So this Ethiopian didn't understand. He heard the gospel like a few minutes later. It doesn't give us the timeline. Same day, a few minutes later, they're going by water. And the Ethiopian says, well, there's water right there. Why, why shouldn't I be baptized? Right? There's no, there's no test. There's no process. It's just faith. Understand the gospel that he did for you what you could not do for yourself. He died on a cross. Your sins were there. He rose from the dead. It's putting your trust in him, what he did, but also in giving him act, uh, you know, keys to your life. It is full following faith. It's not belief in. Baptism is not saying, I believe in you, God. Baptism is saying, I publicly declare that I want to follow you by faith with my life. If that's something that God's knocking on the door of your heart, we want to show you how to respond. Sometimes we'll do uh, raise your hand kind of prayer invitations, which we're all about that. But today I just want to show you what your next step would be. It'll show you our website, relentlesschurch.cc. If you go to connect, connect with us. If you click the connect with us, um, you'll get several options. You can do the connect card, um, which we hope you've done. Welcome to Relentless. Our next one is in April. 
And then step three is a baptism. And you can just click on, I'd like to learn more about baptism. That does not lock you into baptism. Maybe we'll have a conversation. If you have questions, if you're like, I don't want to be baptized, but I do have questions about what you said. One of our, our leaders or staff would love to have that conversation with you. But if you make a decision to get in the water, we want it to be not by pressure, not by guilt, not by shame, but by faith. Right? And we're expecting and believing on two weeks from today, we're going to see uh, some awesome visuals of this, what baptism represents in a surrender and a following uh, to Jesus. And as a church, if you're new with us, we get really excited and celebrate that. So I'm going to pray for you because I don't know who God's talking to in that baptism piece, but I'm praying that you would. Father, for those in the room that are ready, and, and, and God, for those that aren't ready, for those that are a little bit on the fence, like they just don't want to be put to shame. They, they don't want to trust in something that lets them down. They don't want to trust in something and give their life to something and then find out one day that it was all worthless. God, would you just build that faith in them? Would you show yourself like you're so good at doing? Would you give them confidence that you know their name, that you know what they're thinking, that you love them, and their best life is a life built on faith, following and trusting you. God, for those that you want to call to baptism, this beautiful picture of connecting with Jesus, would you give them confidence and boldness? And maybe before they leave, maybe when they get home, that they would go on our website and just click a button and that you would bless that decision. God, thank you that it's not by who our grandparents are, that it's not by what we look like, that it's not by what language we speak, that it's not by what gender we are, that it's not by how good we live, that it is by faith that we can have our hearts cleansed, that we can have access to you. Would you build the faith of this church as we go and live this out this week? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you're dismissed. Go see the cookie table.